Welcome to The Extra Pieces. I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick and... I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. Welcome to our little podcast and come and join us while we talk about Lego sets, things happening in the Lego fan community and pieces we've stepped on in the middle of the night. Richard, how's it going? Oh, look, it's been one of those months where too much Lego is barely enough, Jay. Um, oh, love August. August August seemed massive, uh, but in a good way, I think. Um, massive in a big way. Just so many new sets, so many exciting sets have just become available. And then we've got the 90th anniversary lurking just around the corner or failing that. We're recording this on a couple of days beforehand, but you'll be listening to it on or after Wednesday, the 10th of August, 2022, which is the Lego, the day that the Lego group have chosen to celebrate their 90th anniversary. Hello to the future. Hope, uh, hope the world's still intact. Um, how were you celebrating this 90th anniversary, Jay? Uh, indulging in nostalgia, which is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, this 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 year has honestly been um been so good in just indulging old school Lego nostalgia. Um I think 2022 will go will go down in history as one of the uh one of the good years. I think it's certainly been a great year for fans that have been feeling that their favorite subjects have been left out in the wild for a while, for a period of time and we're thinking particularly of classic space and classic castle but i think it's still certainly been a th- year where there's been amazing things for everyone be it fans of friends fans of Look, even Lego City's been been good and interesting this year. There's been some exciting technical sets. We've had a looping roller coaster, my goodness. We've had massive Marvel mystery, man, no, it's Doctor Strange Mansion, but it's oh, Strange Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh, good, I was needing some alliteration there. Um, and, yeah, nostalgic feels everywhere. Um mm. And to top that off, I've just been to a vintage toy fair today and I've picked up a few gaping holes in my collection, including the original Pirate Wench, a 924 Space Cargo Transporter and a few other things. So I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, but there's a story behind today's vintage haul because I went up to Doncaster yesterday to our local certified store while well, I was ostensibly shopping for other things, but I just dropped in and was debating whether or not I should get hold of a third copy of the Galaxy Explorer. Uh, oh, I will I will pick up another two, but I'm not in a rush. I have, you know, I've, bu- I've built all three, so I've kind of got that out of my system as already. I, as I said, I was looking looking for that, and when I arrived in the shop, there were two on the shelves. And then I saw a couple of friends and I said g'day to them. And then I turned around and they were both gone. So I figured that was the universe telling me that that wasn't the day for me to buy mm. a Galaxy Explorer. 
and that's the thing as well like i think with most um you know hyped up highly anticipated releases like i've like obviously acknowledging that we're very very lucky to have both gotten um an early review copy um from lego um and you know i'm you know these days i'm not in a huge rush to pick up a you know a second copy or Mm. one for um you know or or is tradition like um what what i tend to do is if i give a set a perfect score i will buy another sealed copy just to kind of stash away um so that's a that's a yeah so any 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 review that gets a five out of five i'll get a i'll get a second one to just store away as a you know as as a memento of that as well um but yeah i think with the galaxy explorer you know obviously i want everyone to be able to get their hands on one so i just felt like i'm just gonna hold back until everyone gets 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 a good shot at it and you know and then i'll pick up maybe a second or third or maybe a fourth one (laughs) the galaxy explorer have you seen the prices of like 928 modern day prices of 928 like in 40 years time this could be worth millions assuming inflation hasn't completely devalued our currency by then but but the way that inflation has worked on the purchase price of the original 928 it's actually selling for about what its value would be what it's currently selling for um on the second hand market that that would be what it costs if you were to allow for inflation today. So, in fact, you know, the new model, which is, you know, about $50 to $100 cheaper than that, is actually um, pretty good cheaper. value for money, functionally yep. cheaper than the original, than the OG was. But it is no flap, so incomparable. There is no – well, yes, and so I've noticed that that's a difference between um, different markets, the – Boxes being sold in Australia have certainly got um, taped taped ends, um, whereas the US sets certainly have a um, the punch the punch out box, which I did my best to try and circumvent with the aid of a letter opener and bread knife, and failed, but successfully managed to avoid slicing my own finger. So I'm calling that a win. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, we're, getting, we're getting a bit carried away, and we, we apologise to your listeners because we've actually got a lot to go through today. Um, it's a very special day, but first we did put out a call for questions, and due to sloppiness in our and we have a don't be so hard on yourself. It's not sloppy. I just can't find them. <laughs> We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, um, you know, it's not like we, you know, took a holiday and we ended up in Hawaii for two months. No, no, we've been busy. Um, but look, we do have a question um, when we called out for questions um, a couple of episodes ago, and we've had one from Steve, and he has asked, just brought up towards the end of last year, there were rumors of some sort of subscription service that might have provided some sort of access to retired sets it's been months we've not seen any mention of it do we know if it is still under consideration or if lego have decided to focus their resources elsewhere do you want to take a crack at this first um what do you think what do you think i i think so this was a question that was being asked 
by the Lego group as much to AFOLs to see if there was a market for such a service. I think at the moment they're plenty busy with a lot of other things um, and trying to make get, ensure that they've got a few other systems work, like actually being able to have appropriate levels of stock at 10 minutes past launch date. Um, but I would not be surprised if there is something like this still being considered, but I don't think we should expect that this means that we'll be able to get a mint run of Pirates of Barracuda Bay or if it means that we'd be able to get a... A monorail. A monorail or a um, Death Star 2 or something equally desirable and unattainable. I think it's more likely to be perhaps access to recently discontinued sets through the website, although that in itself doesn't offer a lot to be an inducement to pay a subscription for, um, but it might be something that they offer to VIPs just to keep things that are running out on the website for a month or two longer. I've not heard anything else. I suspect what they were offering and what people hoped was being offered are probably two different things. Hmm. What about yourself? Um, look, 2022 is a big year. I don't think we'll hear anything of the sort until 2023 at the at at the at the earliest. Um, look, I I definitely think that you know Lego will launch some sort of subscription service. Might they might call it I don't know VIP Plus. Um, or something corny like that because, you know, being being a Lego VIP, it's not like it's 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 not really a VIP because everyone can sign up for it. There's it's free. It's you know it's a it's a loyalty program. You earn points that go to um that you can redeem for cool little trinkets or money off your next order. Like that's cool. But um, I think if they were to, you know, offer a paid subscription, I could see them maybe gating some features that they've been testing this year. Maybe things like minifigure factory, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, you know, we had a, we had a beta launch recently. I saw a few people online got, um, you know, get their minifigs, which was kind of cool. Um, I could see a feature like that being gated behind a you know a VIP plus subscription that would make sense to me at least. Um, in terms of retired sets, I don't know because you know to to produce a set, Lego requires like huge manufacturing runs. Mm. Um, um, I don't think they would you know it, it wouldn't make much sense to you know go through all the trouble of bringing back a retired set and you know offering it only to paid subscription members which would be a very 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 small minority of the overall lego fan base um maybe they might have i I don't know maybe maybe lego has a warehouse somewhere in denmark or the czech republic where you know sets that they don't sell just kind of just sit there kind of like a you know kind of like a not so rare vault. So maybe they would have, I don't know, seasonal releases of something that you missed from like three years ago, mm. four years ago. Like, I don't think they will go 
that far back into the vault that we'd see stuff like Black Tron or a classic space or castle. Maybe, I don't know, stuff like an old Speed Champions set, for example, that could come back um, for a month and you could, you know, order and, you know, essentially just deplete whatever lego has on their books in some mysterious warehouse somewhere maybe something like that would could 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 potentially mm. work but i don't think it's the you know all right we're bringing back the uh, skulls eye schooner uh, just for paid subscription members i don't think that um that that's just not feasible yeah. in my mind um, unless the other thing that occurs to me is they could almost take it as a um if the subscription price was high enough you know, basically be then send you a set of equivalent value per year, um, you know, that would be of a certain of a certain value. It might be new, it might be created especially for your VIPs. But, look, this is speculation and we're just making stuff up and we look forward to um, mm. hearing what might develop from that point. Look, of view. I could see um, <clears throat> maybe it's not retired sets. Maybe, you know, I, th- I feel like that's a very narrow way of looking at it. Retired minifigures, maybe because they're less, um, you know, resource and, 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 you know, there's less resource intensive. So for example, if Lego could, you know, Lego could easily reprint, um, you know, say a hundred thousand. Um, I don't know what's it, what's, yeah, I mean, not not to that extent, but say say bunny suit guy, for example. Yeah. So something that's retired, retired, um, and just bring it back for a very small run. That's something that they could easily turn on because it's just one minifigure as opposed to which is what four, five, six components at the most compared to a set which has, a you know, hundreds or thousands of pieces and and packaging and all of that stuff. So you know. It'd be a pretty good, um, I, I think it'd be a pretty compelling service if, say, you were to pay, say, $10 a month and as part of the perks, you would get a, a minifigure every month or every quarter. Uh, and maybe that's something that they, they could do. You know, you could, you could see, I don't know, some, some town minifigure come back as a, as, as a bit of a retro. You could see, I don't know, minifigures from like, um, the castle Vikings sub team, for example, or just very obscure, you know, say like a time twisters character. We've got four quarters: town, city, space, and mm. something random. Mm-hmm. Exo Force. I don't know. I don't know. Just yeah, maybe maybe quarters quarters a bit too um, too far away, but maybe monthly. You know, mm. it, you know, we've seen we've seen things like we've seen services like minifigure or mystery box subscriptions where you get you know you pay a certain amount and you get um a mystery minifigure or a box of you know random bits sent to you every month and that's kind of fun um obviously it's easier if you're doing it at the scale in which lego operates because they've got um obviously their their, their manufacturing costs are you know minuscule and they would have you know proper logistics set up so and for them wholesale price is wholesale price and so it'd be easier for them to run without having it being a um service that ultimately fails due to the expense of running it might yeah. still be a service well, that fails something like that i could see i could see happening um you know again be a fun way to kind of bring back minifigures from the past um as well and it's something exclusive gives you a bit of a 
um, you know, something tangible for a paid subscription, which is which I can see value in. So, yeah, if 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 there was any exchange of you know for my recurring revenue subscription, I would expect some sort of you know maybe. Maybe not a minifigure, maybe like a tile, some elements. I don't know, but I think minifigures being, you know, so, um, you know, one of the most beloved parts of of of, of Lego in general. I think it makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and you could get you know special I don't know VIP plus minifigures that you can only get. You know, we've seen that we've seen them do that with build a minifigure, so they have the cap, um, you know, capacity and appetite to do so. So, mm. absolutely. Yeah, maybe, maybe and 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 maybe the retired set could be a quarterly thing. You know, that's a Q one, get a chance, get a second chance at a Scooby Doo mystery machine. Hell yeah! You Q two get a second chance at the uh, Lego Ideas Wally set. Um, I I remain skeptical that they would have that degree of of. Um the generalization, but I suppose it's also a case of thinking about where big sets that don't sell go. Um, a lot of small to intermediate size sets that don't sell, they are passed on to Fairy Bricks. Um, Fairy Bricks are a charity based in the UK that, um, that, that have as their mission to deliver Lego sets to kids in hospital around the world. And they now function in a way such that the Lego group provide them with sets that are ret- uh, near end of life and or retired and they will get distributed and as such um, that's a good way for depleting the where any warehouse stores of excess small to medium sets not, mm. so, not necessarily what you'd do if you had that um, soccer stadium that didn't sell, or or you know leftovers of the Daily Bugle that were just sent to the wrong part of the world where nobody wanted to buy it, or something like that. So perhaps perhaps that system could work to deal to deal with that sort of set. Um, again, this is rampant speculation, and we're just making things up at this point in time. Um, but thank you very much for your question, Steve. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, um, send them through via, you know, Instagram or Twitter, where you can find us at Extra Pieces Pod, or drop us an email um, at Extra Pieces Pod at gmail.com. And, you know, we'd love to take, um, yeah, we'd love to take your questions. And, you know, thank you so much. Today is a very, very special day for our favourite manufacturer of plastic toys based in Denmark. Today, it's a big milestone. It's a big milestone. The big 9 um, the, the company is celebrating 90 years since they dedicated their efforts to making toys, um, starting out in Ole Kirk Christiansen's warehouse, oh, sorry, um, factory in Billund, Um it was two years before they were decided that they were going to be called Lego, a contraction of Leg Gort um, to play well. Um, 
I apologise to anyone listening in Denmark if my pronunciation has been just a little bit controversial there. We've completely butchered it. Please don't, um, please don't make any enemies before we get there. But anyway, on to our favourite um, nonagenarian. Happy 90th birthday. Big, big celebrations are due. So, well, we've been seeing celebrations all year from the release of sets such as the 90... Uh, years of Play classic set, which we've spoken about, and also more recently the um, the classic theme. I'm going to icon sets. Yes, the reimagined Galaxy Explorer and the let's see how much we can put into a castle. Um, Lion Knight's castle. Um, so we've seen that as part of the celebration. Um, what do you think this means to the Lego Group? Jay? I think it's a it's a huge achievement. Um, we don't get a lot of organizations or brands that get that that, that make it to 90 years old. Um, that's that that that's a huge achievement and I think just testament to how the brand has um, you know weathered change throughout the decades. Mm-hmm. You know, they started out making wooden toys because that was um that was in vogue all the you know um and then they transitioned over did did they do metal toys yeah they did i think yeah not really a few a few not no there there may be a couple but they certainly haven't made a significant part of the dent in the portfolio if if there were um they sort of in the post-war era they got their first injection molding machine and Hmm. They ran wooden and plastic toys in parallel for oh, up until about 1959, and after then, then the wooden toys were uh, discontinued after another factory fire. Um, and at that time, they'd been making a number of different, both plastic and wooden toys. Um, the duck was produced up until well into the 50s. Um, the duck wasn't the first wooden toy that the company produced, but it was probably one of the longest lived hmm. um, things. Um, yeah, but plastic toys, going from plastic toys of uh, things that kids saw around them, like the Ferguson tractor through to um, automatic binding bricks and then the bricks that um, we come to know and understand fairly well in conjunction with um, play sets like the Lego Town Plan, then moving forward to um, sort of more universal building brick sets, um, the more focused kits of the 70s and 80s through to today, um, introduction of themes like technique to add a degree of realism to things, um, integration with sort of IT systems as you start looking at some of the educational things and the collaboration with MIT sort of from the mid-80s, you know, up to including the release of the first Mindstorms in 99. Um, rolling out licensed themes in with Star Wars, shortly followed by Harry Potter, Spider-Man and sports in around the turn of the century. My goodness, can we call it around the turn of the century? I guess we can. And yeah, we can. Then the start of a new millennium. That's a that's a big deal. 
don't think I've ever heard about someone turning yep. a millennium. But yes, um, yes, at the start of the millennium. And then I suppose the group seem to be trying to work out the balance for matching digital play and digital building with the tactile experience that we have, the environmental responsibility, trying to reduce its dependency on petrochemicals and looking for more renewable sources of material, um, trying to make an AR application that works. Um, <laughs> they all work. They just don't work well for people who don't have the latest and greatest gadget or who just don't quite get how to play the game. Yeah, so I think it's... Uh, it's um... That was a great timeline. That was a very, very succinct um, way to, um, yeah, quickly run through nine decades. And I, I think people don't quite realize just how significant you know being a ninety-year-old brand is. You don't you don't get a lot of brands that make it to that age. Um, there's what Coca Cola, maybe yeah, Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Um, Kellogg's, I think. Um, Kellogg's have been around for a long time, um, but yeah, it's 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 a huge it's a huge achievement. Um, you know, you think of um, you know m- the mega corporations of the past. Um, you know, kind of like Sears in America, um, and you know they, they 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 don't last as long, um, and they don't they don't they don't they don't make it to or. Even if they do, um, you take a, a big household name like IBM. Like IBM was, you know, synonymous with computing um, and IT. Um, and at one time, they were, you know, probably one of the biggest and most valuable companies in the world. Mm. Um, but you look at today, and they've been, you know, they've been dwarfed by the likes of Microsoft, Apple, um, Google. Uh, yeah, Google. And so, so it's 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 a big achievement to make it to ninety years. Yeah, and I think if you look at if you look at Lego's position today, um, where they are widely regarded as one of the um, strongest brands in the world, and if you look at their you know financial performance, the size of the company, their influence and impact to culture, society, um, yeah, not a lot of companies get to um, get 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 to celebrate their ninetieth birthday in such style. So. It's a big achievement, very, very big achievement, and 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 you don't want to. I, I I don't think you we should underplay that. And look, I think that's especially important when you consider that eighteen years or so ago, um, the company was within, um, probably pretty close to running the risk of going bankrupt and needing to close its doors, um, mm. and it was probably only by a swift change of direction, um, significant austerity measures at the time, which um, saw both the number of pieces and the number of colours in the palette um, whittled back significantly for a period of time, um, staff laid off, factories closed. And Bionicle. Let's not forget the impact of Bionicle in saving the Lego group. Bionicle was already there. Bionicle started in 2001, generated £100 million worth of income in its first year. 
um, it certainly probably made the difference between the company being and not being. But I think the um, more significant decision was to stop trying to do the things that you're not good at, like running theme parks and making clothes and perhaps do the things that you're good at, like focusing on play and making plastic bricks. Wait, hang on. Modern day, modern day Lego has 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 kind of gone back to that. They, um, they're making lots of clothes, shoes. With Ed- no, no, they're not making any shoes or any clothes. Oh, sorry, in, in, in partnership. They're in being partnership. produced under license. Yeah, but they did buy back. Um, they did buy Merlin back. So uh, they've bought Merlin back, but Merlin is still running the attractions. Back in the portfolio, yeah, at least. Merlin, so, Merlin still run run the attractions, however. Um, they're not being run by Lego and they're being owned by um, – they're not being owned by Lego per se as much as Kirkby, the over – Holding company. Holding company for the family who own the Lego group. Yeah. So I don't fully understand it. It's complicated. But they're still not trying to run the theme parks themselves, which mm. which was a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think, um, I think if you look at um, the fact that Lego, um, which is a toy company, is widely regarded as one of the strongest brands in the world today, that in itself is 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 pretty crazy when you think about it, because it's twenty twenty two. Everyone lives their life. Uh, everyone lives their lives online in one way or, or another. Um, you know, people are talking about moving their lives into the metaverse and all that um, crazy stuff that's happening right now. Um, you know, we have I don't know seventy inch TVs that you know beam out four K graphics. We have um, you know we have superpower consoles spitting out hyper realistic. Um, graphics and, and and yet a uh, a company that makes plastic blocks plastic building blocks is still um you know not not even surviving but thriving in today's world that that in itself is is pretty pretty nuts when you think about it it's not a bad effort is it um, no no and yeah it's just yeah, if if you look at it in context, um, yeah, yeah. Of, of of the world that we live in today, it it, it shouldn't happen. It it just should not happen. Um, I might disagree with you there. I think it's like a it's like it's like, it's like a horse carriage, um, company being one of the world's biggest, I don't know, vehicle manufacturers. Just no, look, I would say. There's been some pivot here um, from the company's point of view. There have been a few things that have worked well for for the company. One is that it has come to recognise the value of nostalgia and that one of the great things about being a 90-year-old company and particularly when you've been doing something pretty similar for the last 60 years like making plastic bricks is that you now have two generations of families that would regard Lego as a Lego playing with Lego bricks as a pretty cool idea. So, you know, my parents thought it was a good idea, I thought it was a good idea. And so, you know, it 
automatic it almost automatically generates a new generation of of uh, consumers for the company but at the same time the company has come to recognize that sure zooming a police car around the shelves may, around the kitchen table may not be for everyone but perhaps if we built something that was more aimed towards the people that used to play with Lego as kids and we'll, we know that people get diverse or in, more and more diverse interests as they grow up. So we'll produce a broad portfolio aimed for adults, be it producing mosaics, moving machinery, um, detailed buildings, detailed cars, um, even just massive recreations of boats, architectural features around the world, or indeed just the sets that they had themselves back in the late 70s. <laughs> hmm. um, and I think, um, that, yeah, and I that think... Has, that has certainly contributed to, to, to the brand. You know, they've come to recognise that... And look, they've had the perfect storm then with the pandemic and having people locked in for a period of time a couple of years ago and having Lego sets as being something that you can do to, and for a lot of people it was things that they could do with stuff they already had at home because their kids had some Lego. Hmm. Um, it's done a lot to relaunch the toy for um, the adult audience and to help the company to direct focus for its, ad, direct a bit more of its focus towards the adult audience Um over the last couple of years. And we've certainly seen that with what was initially being labelled Lego for Adults and 18 Plus, and which is now becoming more and more likely to be referred to as the Icons range. Yeah, they've made, a, they've made playing with toys cool for adults, which is, um, which is no mean feat, which is no mean feat. A man's got to have a hobby, and so does a woman. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think... Um, yeah, and you've been you've been you know obviously chronicling the the decades, um, you know, counting down to the big ninetieth birthday. Um, how much has Lego changed in your um, you know in your in your countdown? I think going through decade by decade and looking it through that lens. Okay, so look, we, it's changed a lot. We've just been work, working through the decades, and if you sort of look at the so starting from 1932, the company were into making, um, they were into making yo-yos. When the yo-yos didn't sell, they cut them in half and turned them into the wheels of fire engines um, and other wooden toys. Um, wooden animals on wheels were very popular as well. Um, then in the 40s, they started to develop plastic. They got their first... Uh, injection molding machine and started working with plastics which at that stage was cellulose acetate which is plant derived fun fact doesn't quite sound <laughs> the same um, and they started experimenting with plastic toys for a while and then started to develop toys particularly based on real world objects um, i've already mentioned the ferguson tractor is something that kids played with um, you know mum and dad drove one on the farm so Here's, here's one for the kids to play with. So that became a toy, and you could buy that either pre-made or as a construction kit. Then they started to move into building bricks in the 
um, in the early 50, late 40s, early 50s, and they were in part based on the Kitty Craft Bricks, whose ideas were creatively liberated, turned into metric. Um, and these were kind of unique at the time because these were bricks that when, if you had a ball wall made of them and you knocked it over, the wall would still maintain its shape. All the bricks wouldn't fall apart instantly. Um, you had the development of the town plan at a time when kids were otherwise looking at lots and lots more cars wandering around the place. And so it gave kids a bit, bit of an idea about road rules and how to you know, navigate towns now that you had to share the roads with paths with cars. But then you sort of move on to these more focused, and so it's a more focused example. You know, we had garages and buildings and we had some of those sets and then we started to get these two streams of sets, I guess. One was just collections of blocks and then we had more focused sets on dedicated to building things, be they fire stations, police stations, tow trucks, cars, aeroplanes, Um as we're going into the 70s and you see a number of different streams sort of evolve and you sort of see product lines sort of renewed as they get a new thing. Oh, look, we've had a police station, but now we've got this, what we now call a stage extra figure, the stiff figure with no arms and no feet and no face. And then very the sets were sort of revamped in a similar but slightly different way as we had the arrival of minifigures in the late 70s and here we we start getting i suppose a set as a toy up until now you've had a set as a thing to play with and there's been no specific end point but then you start getting these model kits really that are designed primarily to make a specific thing but which you can then um, pull apart and rebuild in other ways and certainly inspiration is provided with those materials on how to build it in different ways on the instructions or on the back of the box something which they eventually at some point parts ended up getting smaller um, you started getting finer detail it's like going from old-fashioned black and white to high definition, um, 4K, millions of colours, where you start getting those curves, you start getting all of these shapes that are not necessarily so readily recreated just by looking at a picture in the box, which shows things from one direction. Um, and then you also start seeing these, and what we see now is probably that sets that are based on things, either in-house storylines or third-party stories, probably make up the majority of Lego sets that are available. And then you're looking at things like Technic in a separate lane and then the Creator Expert icon sets, which are, again, often based on things that we see around us in the world, um, but they're not, not necessarily primarily pitching the free building sets that a lot of us grew up with in the 70s. I feel like I've just keep saying this and come back to these points, but I think it's probably a salient thing. No, I think I think I think you've you've nailed it on the head um, that the 
that Lego staying power and its ability to survive through the decades and as um, you know in it in the midst of a of a rapidly changing world like you said it's it, it's been flexible enough to adapt and alter what it means to be mm. um, you know to, to, to alter its proposition to you know to kids to adults and you know like you said you know with the with with the tractor with buildings um, obviously as, as as I think about those decades um, those 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 trends have um, have 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 kept the imagination and you know whether it's things like you know urbanization or the rise of the suburbs you know as people started moving towards cities and then they start dispersing themselves through suburbs and you know to see towns and mm. and, and cities come up that's a that's a very salient point and then you know in the 70s 80s where space exploration and the space race captured the imagination of entire um you know the entire world you know we saw that reflected in lego itself through indeed um, which is yeah space sets classic space sets and all the fun um mtron blacktrons and unitrons um up ahead and looking looking at lego now um where you know we have you do hear this every now and then that go oh it's another licensed team oh lego are doing another movie tv series or video game why are um you know why are we seeing so many licensed things but if you if you look at the world and what captures the imagination of the world that's pretty that 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 pretty much describes the you know the late 90s and 2000s to a certain extent Mm -hmm. because the you know while we had the space race in the 60s to the 80s um, the enduring, I guess, um, <clears throat> innovation or technological advancement in the last 20 to 30 years has been the ability for people to connect with one another through the internet, but to also um, share and amplify things like music, movies, video games mm-hmm. through, you know, whether it's broadcast television, through the movies or through, you know, digital streaming nowadays it's 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 communication it's entertainment and if you look outside of the world that's what captures the imagination of society as a whole um the avengers movie made what two billion dollars at the box office that's that's insane um when you think about it and you know you hear about um you know people spending billions of minutes watching the latest Stranger Thing, uh, the, the latest Stranger Things season, mm. um, and that, and that, and that really what you know is is is, um, yeah. So I think Lego's done a really smart job reflecting society to a certain extent, and I think that's that's definitely contributed to them um, staying relevant um, through the, through through the years. But in fact, when when you look at look at this, I, th- I think there are couple of aspects when we look at these licensed themes these are stories with which you're familiar and perhaps you don't feel like you're being so brave or courageous or taking a risk 
if you're picking up a toy that's associated with something that you don't really know. And I think that is another thing that having these alliances with large um, franchises like your Disney princesses, like your Star Wars, like your Super Mario, um, but even to a lesser extent, you know, your car brands, your architectural features, these are all based on things that we know and are not too courageous as far as being a consumer who has no knowledge of, of them, of this as a Lego thing, becomes an easy sort of a choice, um, hmm. whatever whatever it is that you're into. Um, but And I think it's also the courage to to innovate and take risks it's it's unfortunate that we don't have um that the internet wasn't around to um to i guess capture the sentiment of um you know when lego moved from wooden toys to plastic toys i could imagine that you know wooden afols at the time would be up in arms about moving from one medium to another or when they introduced um, minifigures or when the smiley face gave way to um, more detailed expressions and face printing with pirates. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I feel, I feel like um, I feel like change is necessary and um, is, 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 is one of the main reasons why LEGO have endured this far because they've not been afraid of change. Jay, would you like to share with the listeners perhaps some of the major stepping points for you and things that you've gained from your engagement with Lego over the years? uh, Yeah, I I think it's easier if you go from present day and work yourself backwards because it tends to get fuzzy the further back you go. Um. I think looking at modern modern day sets, um, to me, sets that really stand out are things like the Cafe Corner, which I think are notable because it was it was it was kind of the set that pretty much spawned the creator expert label and Lego Icons team that we know today. Mm-hmm. It was a at the time. Um, a pretty bold proposition. Let's make a highly detailed um, building um, and target it at, was it 16 plus at the time? Yeah, 14 plus, 16 plus. Just just older than the traditional eight-year-old target demographic that Lego has always obsessed over prior to sets like the cafe corner so i think cafe corner has has a very very important um position and role in lego today as well mm. uh, i think more recently as well um i think sets like the i think the ucs millennium falcon the first one because it smashed through a psychological peace count barrier mm. and you know, it's it's one of the most beloved Star Wars ships. It's one of the most beloved Lego Star Wars sets, and you know it it really 
pushed the it's it, it wasn't the first UCS set but I think it was because of its size and its ambition it was the first that went oh wow okay this is a mm. big step up of what can be done with Lego um, and you know to a certain extent with the Star Wars team as well um, yeah those two those two stick out to me um, in terms of recent modern sets um, I'd like to add one more into the 2009 batch because they both they're both sort of fairly contemporary sets of each other, and the other one would be the um, Creator Train, the the Train Factory set, which had a high level of engagement from uh, the AFOL community, and you know, forty sets in the box, and I think there were also about forty models um, with instructions included um, online for that set, and. I think those three sets really say, grown-ups, you're now part of our target market. Mm. Or we're now doing these things for you. Mm. That's a good one. Um, I think the T1 camper van as well should be right up there because it spawned a whole genre of, you know, creator expert Creator expert cars. cars. Yeah. Licensed cars. You know, we Mm. had things like... We had things like the model team before, which was, I would say, a um, a proto-creator expert vehicle line. But mm. what made the um, what made what what made the T one camper van different was um, the fact that it was licensed and based on a real a real world iconic vehicle. Yeah, there had been a VW Beetle a few years. Oh earlier. yeah, we had the Beetle. Well, yeah, yep. That had a very different sort of an aesthetic, mm. um, and that was sort of get the people, but yeah, but you know that was a much more sort of a uh, a I'm going to say a sort of a voxel like a pixelated kind of aesthetic, yeah. as opposed yep. to the um, T1, which was really designed to look like the T1. Hmm. Mm. And, uh, and it, gets, it gets fuzzy as you go back, I think. Oh, you see, it's interesting because I, I think back to my childhood and there are th- probably three, four sets that are f- pretty significant. I'll probably discover that whenever presenting a list of things and you're doing it without notes, you should never give a number. Um one was the blue train set. Now, I'd never consciously owned the blue train set, but there is no doubt that we had the blue motor, the blue battery box, and some blue rails in our household, which suggests that perhaps aspects of this set had made its way to our house from my dad's place of business where they had a, um, a toy shop in the back of the pharmacy that he worked in in regional Victoria. And I remember learning about the idea of batteries powering the motor and how you needed to make a contact between the batteries and the motor in order for it to work. And if you plug the cable in backwards, the motor went the other way. Mm. So that, that that was a big... The other thing that it taught me was that when you had... When you drew a circle, you know, you needed shorter tracks for the inside than for the outside. Let's bear in mind, I was probably five at the time, and so I hadn't really given these things a lot of thought in life. Another set that came out 
probably around the 19, early 70s. But again, sets had a long shelf life back then. And that would be the Coloured Gears um, oh. 800. We had blue, red and yellow gears, um, brightly coloured with grey blocks with holes in and white axles and red stoppers. And this was the set where I learned about Caterpillar tracks as a concept. This is the set where I learned about gearing up and gearing down and the fact that you could turn something and make something turn the other way and make it turn faster or slower. Um, and I think, I think they were actually pretty important concepts for me conceptually. Um, the 181 train set was possibly my next big set. And did that add anything to what I already knew? Possibly not. The little space scooter, that's where I learnt to swoosh, to fly, and then just that first generation of um, classic space sets, that, that eight, nine stud long um, Delta wing ship. It's one that after 40 years, I can still build off by heart. <laughs> um, and... I think that it it is probably the simplest set that I have in my top five favourite sets of all time. Five favourite sets is different to the ten most significant sets. Um, and then probably the two Technic sets that I got when I was a kid, about 10, 12 years old, the helicopter, um, which came out in the first wave of Technic, which... I never knew that there was such a thing as tilting pitch and we had these levers that changed the pitch of the rotors as the blade spun and that was pretty impressive. That taught me a thing. Mm -hmm. And then there was 8860 um, car chassis where I learned about oh, yeah. transmissions, yep. where I learned about rack and pinion steering and suspension. And like most kids of my generation, we converted this vehicle from having a two-speed gearbox to having a three-speed gearbox. Got to go uh, faster. Absolutely. So they they were sets that were probably important to me from the impact they had on what I knew about the world around me as well as my own sort of role play. Hmm. I always dreamed about most of the um, space sets, but the reality is that as a kid I had we had between my brother and I, we had four of the small space sets um, between us, and and I've probably reconstructed those today. Um, yeah, I think, as you said, Cafe Corner. That's probably one of the sets that brought me out of my dark ages, discovering that mm -hmm. it was a thing, and. Um, as far as I think then you also look towards Lego ideas and oh. what the way in which fans have challenged the way in which things are done. And I think probably yeah. my, my two favourite ideas sets to date would be the Treehouse and the um, Saturn V Rocket. Um, which was just a crazy challenging build 
but just did some things in ways that I had no idea of what to expect as I was going about it. And the way that the whole rocket just manifested in front of me was just a joy. Mm. Um, I, th- I think now there are other great idea sets, but I just haven't put them together yet. Um, I've not built Pirates of Barracuda Bay, so I can't. Oh, boy. So I can't say for me that that's one of my favourite sets. I think you're in, you're in for a treat. I think I'll enjoy building it. Yeah. I, I, wish, I, I wish I could go back and uh, re-experience Barracuda Bay for the first time again. That was a priceless mm, experience. I'd, I, when I build it, I want to do it under no pressure. I have a yeah. I just, I just have a close affinity with pirates because um, I share the same you know birth year as pirates. So very very yeah. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, and then I think coming forward for me, it then gets a little bit harder. You you have a rash of really big sets. I think the I think boost represents. An important set. Mindstorms. Mindstorms, I think. Um, Mindstorms represents a set for people who understand technique. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think boost is important because it means that people who only know about how to put bricks onto studs can make things happen. And that's then evolved further with powered up which are designed as much to work with um, non-technic as technic sets. So, mm-hmm. so I think I think Boost was actually probably underrated there. It was conceptually easier for me to work out how to make to do things than Mindstorms was. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Um, I. Am yet to open five one five one five the new Mindstorms, mm-hmm. but I am excited to do that at some point in the next few months to see how that is to work with and see how that compares with sort of the powered up the boost and the powered up paradigm, which I know a lot of people don't really like and which I think Lego have neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a system with so much potential, but I think it's just not been given the chance to do it. Mm. Um, yes. So sorry, I've got become digressed in things that are important to me. No, um, I think I, th- I think that's fair. Um, I think for me, when I look at when I look back into you know once you once once you cross into like the nineties, you look at different. Um, the teams start to amalgamate um, and kind of blend into each other. Um, you, you see very you know distinct color palettes and color combinations like mm. white, blue, and orange of um, Ice Planet, which I think is like one of the you know the greatest like Lego aesthetics, or the um, the black and green or trans green of like Blacktron Two. Yep. Um, and then, you know, or the blue and dark red of, like, Space Police 1. Wait, Space Police 1. Yeah, Space Police 1. Um, you know, that 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 those things stick out to me as, you know, we're, we're seeing the same, well, not the same, but we're still seeing space, but in different 
flavors and different um you yeah. know colors to kind of tell them apart to tell to tell the, the different sub teams apart um yeah i think it's you know like i've just i've just come out of you know building a whole bunch of castles and i think um you know sets like 375 and to a certain extent 6 6080 king's castle um you know comparing that against the Lion Knight's castle mm. um, was 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 brilliant because if you look at it in um, you know through today's lens it seems just so basic like there's just walls there's no interiors there's nothing going on but back then that's not what you saw um, I think and yeah I think you know yeah just just that whole um, you know that whole era of castles and uh, Lego Castle has just been done so well. Obviously, there's things like Forest Men, and if you're talking about sets that are important to me, um, Forest Men, um, and also Wolfpack Tower as well. Mm. So those were those were very distinct um, sets that I owned as a kid. So they have a special place in my heart. But you know, they yeah, to me they represented. Um, a really high point in storytelling where you were given these characters, you were given these settings and you were given the pieces to build them and mm. put them together, but you weren't given a, a plot or, you know, it, it was, um, it was really left to um, the builder to fill in the blanks. You, you were given a starting sentence in the catalog. Hmm. Spirius are stealing all of the secrets from Ice Planet and Space Police's computer. Will they be able to be stopped in court? Mm-hmm. Now play on. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's one of the big differences when you look at the way in which storytelling in Lego has evolved. You know, Pirates was very much designed as a storytelling medium. It was the first theme where you had good guys and bad guys within the one set. It's up to you to decide whether or not the um, colonials were um, the good guys or the bad guys, I guess. The pirates were fighting a righteous a righteous war. As I say, history is written by the victors. Um, Captain Brickbeard didn't do anything wrong. But that, that was the first thing where we introduced sort of conflict in a box, as it were. And then you didn't see it reflected in space or castle until we got into the 21st century. It's the first time that we started to see factions actively mixed apart from two separate space police one sets back in 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, 88 was only um, saying that in Life on, Mar- Life on Mars, to a certain extent, Mars mission um, then Knights Kingdom one as well, where you had combat combative factions appearing in the one set, and prior to that, mm-hmm. we just never saw it. Mm. Um, and now, just about every theme, with the exception of Creator three in one, most of Technic, and collectible minifigures, is based on a pre-told story to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. When you look at the fact that we now have animated series that go with Ninjago, or that's always been there. Um, Friends, that's always been there, although perhaps not necessarily on the radar of the majority of grown-ups. 
and um, even now oh, Monkey Kid and now Lego City Adventures as well, um, which has sort of been the case since 2018. So all of those storytelling themes, you know, it's like they've taken a leaf out of the Marvel book where and Disney book where yep, these have all been... Um, they've taken a leaf out of the Marvel book where we've got a story that becomes familiar through watching and re-watching mm-hmm. and then you've got sets that will tie into that even though it may not necessarily be for telling the same story. So I think that's probably been the big change in direction that we've seen and it's not dissimilar mm-hmm. to what we saw with Bionicle um, from the point of view of a transmedia um, storytelling with ongoing development of characters and um, various sets. The nature of the sets are very different, and I won't won't pretend that Bionicle and Lego City are the same, but um, story has become much more integral to all themes across the portfolio and mm-hmm. not just um, licensed sets. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think, and I think that's why I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that's why I enjoyed so much of the Lion Knight's Castle was it it had no story. Um, you were given characters, you were given a setting, um, and it was up to you to, as you said, fill in the blanks. Mm. Um, are the you know are the Black Falcons here to negotiate a peace treaty? Are they here to um, to threaten the Lion Knights, we don't know. It's up to. It's completely up to you. Mm. Um, what's Magisto doing there? Um, are the Forest Men good? Are the Forest Men bad? What are they up to? It's a blank canvas, which is um, which, which 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 I think I really enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, yeah. When and and when you look at it um, that way. I feel like that's why Lego has such a enduring quality mm. um, is because at its core, it's a medium. Um, it's a medium to tell the stories that you make for yourself and you, you know, that, that, that your imagination and creativity unlocks mm. or it's a medium in which other storytellers can tell their stories. So whether it's Ninjago or Monkey Kid or Star Wars, it's a, it's a, it's a very malleable medium that can be used for, for for both. And I think if you look at the, the, you know, array of products or things that you can buy today, that's a very, very rare quality that, um, that can go both ways, Mm. you know, like with action figures, you know, they're, they're just action figures. You can't, um, you know, you can't do much to alter how they look. And yeah, I think that's why I think if you look at, if you look at Lego's entire history, that's what has made the brand and the bricks and the product just so, um, yeah, just, just so enduring because mm. it's, it's able to do both really, really well. Yeah. 
so no, I think I think um, so. That's that's certainly the the spirit with the nature of the storytelling and the way that there's be, that's become so much more of a focus. And indeed, that's one of those things that on Lego Masters gets constantly drummed in as a focus by the judge in Australia anyway of um, technical ability, um, aesthetics, and storytelling. Um, so that storytelling has become a far more integral part of Lego play um, compared even to where it was at, you know, 20 years ago. But even 40 years ago, it's um, sort of being introduced conceptually where it wasn't really a significant part of Lego play prior to that time, prior to the introduction yeah. of the minifigure. So, Jay, just to wrap up then, we've had a few years again um, and you've mentioned a couple of sets that you feel are important to you. If you had to name a set as your personal most, just trying to work out the phrasing, um, as the most, well, a set that for you is your favourite and justify your answer, what would that set be? Oh, <clears throat> I think it's, just I, can't, I can't do that. Like it, it will change. Just, 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 just today's, and we won't hold you to this forever. Just today's. Um, oh, put me on the spot there. Um, I don't know. Wolfpack Tower. I just, I just, I just love Wolfpack Tower. I just love the Wolfpack. Um, it's probably my favorite, like castle, um, castle. You know, set from that castle era, and I think it's again, it's a castle set because I've been in Castle Land for the past few days, and it's been glorious. Mm. It's it's interesting. I I have a big castle shaped hole in my experience. Um, we got some castle stuff when my kids were younger when, during the fantasy era, but for myself, um, we got the procession of knights had the procession of knights when we were kids and that was about the only castle set that we got until we were then starting to look at things for our own kids mm. um so that i thought was um say so that's just an interesting an interesting distinction from sort of where you're at with it to where where i'm at with it mm-hmm. um so i'd probably happy to give that title of my favourite build ever to the 10497 Galaxy Explorer. Um, oh, wow. Because it is a interesting building experience. The instructions are paced very well. You have some steps where you're placing 15 to 20 parts in a single step. Mm-hmm. It's not one or two like with the majority of sets that you put together that might be designed for people who aren't proficient Lego builders. Um, it pushes those nostalgic buttons. Not only is are the instructions sort of paced well, but the it's full of really interesting techniques and I think you could even get rid of most of the Easter eggs in there as far as in jokes on um, printed printed elements and I would still 
love this set. Just the building mm. experience was so much fun. Um, and it also demonstrated that recognition that, yes, classic spaces remains relevant to us at the Lego group. Um, and hearing that message probably also means a lot to people. But as far as sets that I've put together that I really, really, really enjoyed, it's right up there. It's probably accompanied by the Saturn V, the Treehouse, the Ideas Treehouse, and um, the little space scooter. <laughs> good picks. There are, Very there, good. Are, there are other there are others that are all sort of round out position five, and they might include Ninjago City Gardens, but also probably the Green Grocer because that was the first modular we put together. Mm. Um. Can I change mine to like Deep Freeze Defender as well? I feel like I've betrayed my uh, my Ice Planet. For me, it's no, the pinnacle of like no, like you, Lego. Space. You can't. Oh no! Damn it. Well, well, okay. So it's the pinnacle of Lego space, and so then the question is: Is Lego space better or worse than Lego Castle? Oh, well, that's all we have time for today. <laughs> We'd like to wish the Lego Group a very happy ninetieth anniversary, celebrating ninety years of play, and um, we thank you for taking your time to in to listening to us we hope you've enjoyed the show um and on that bombshell i'm richard from the rambling brick and i'm jay from jay's brick blog and these are the extra pieces you have been listening to extra pieces a collaboration between jay's brick blog and the rambling brick your hosts are jay ong and richard jones written and produced by jay ong and richard jones Extra pieces can be found through your favourite podcasting platforms. Please like and subscribe, and if you like what you hear, please give us a solid five-star review. It will make it easier for other people to find us and to share the joy.